Welcome back to Cyberology, Dakota State University's podcast for all things cyber and technology. I'm Jen Burris. My name is Gabe Bitland. And today our host is Dr. Mark Cox, Dean of Graduate Studies at DSU. Mark, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Jen. Great to be here. Great to, um, great to join my friends in a little conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mark. I've, um, I think we've been in Madison 24, 25 years. And um, I I came here from Chicago, where I worked in a federal research lab funded by the Office of Educational Research and Improvement, um, federally funded. Granted, we did a lot of research on um, educational technology integrations in schools. Um, At that time, they were often funded by by telephone companies or other major corporations who were looking to integrate their innovations in the K-12 or higher ed environment. Before that, I was at Syracuse University. Oh, where wow. I got my doctorate, upstate New York or Orange, and um, and I worked there in the Center for Instructional Development, and, and I got my undergraduate and, and master's at Brigham Young University, where I met my where I met the girl of my dreams. We, she's still with me. We're here in Madison, enjoying it. I teach. Um, I'm attached to the College of Education, although I'm graduate dean, and I um, my research has generally been in computer mediated communication. Um, and I teach a suite of courses, maybe from ed tech to um, um, to educational psychology. Okay. And is that at the grad level then? Both. Both? Both, yep. Although, unfortunately, I have one course. Um, my dean job doesn't provide much other opportunity um, to teach, although I would love to. Um, I do get to keep hang on to one course, which so that's good. I feel fortunate. And so how long have you been dean of... Grad studies. I'm thinking probably six or seven years now. Okay. Yeah. So, what's a day in the life? Day in the life of dean. Well, it depends on if you ask uh, now after you know four or five weeks in the semester, and if you asked <laughs> two weeks ago because it was um, it was readmission petitions, it was course substitution forms, it was credit transfer forms. It's all of those kind of beginning of the semester things we do to try to um, settle students into their coursework, but for whom, uh, you know, a permission or uh, a barrier is pending, and we try to resolve those. So otherwise, the fun, the fun part of, um, of being a dean is supporting faculty and program growth, program um, development. We've got some, some new programs in the process of development and working with deans and other talented faculty and bringing those things to life. And, um, of course, it's working with the students, which is the real, I think every faculty would say, you know, helping young men and women reach their career dreams. And I'm going to see quite a little bit of that um, stuff. Just wrote a, actually I did a phone reference for a doctoral student who has yet to finish um, her dissertation, but um, she's a candidate for position at um, University of Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, a remarkable institution and an opportunity she has to to extend her career um, in academia, and that's fun. It's fun to tell her how great I think she is. Tell them how great I think she is as a as a potential faculty. Can you share with us a little bit more about the programs we offer in the graduate? End of things here at DSU? Yeah, Gabe. We're, um, we're about 24 years into graduate education. And um, 
But we've offered master's degrees, and we've offered courses, and we've offered summer development experiences to teachers for decades. But to have a bona fide program, and the first was a master's of science in information systems, really consistent with our mission, um, which started in 1999, um, and, and right about the same time, a master's in educational technology, which brought me here. And um, those programs um, are one of seven master's programs that we offer, including programs in cyber defense, computer science, information systems, data analytics, and um, a master's in health informatics um, and information sciences. And then four graduate programs, doctoral programs, excuse me, um, three in our call in Beacom College of Cyber Science and Computing, um, an on-campus program in computer science for doctoral students, um, cyber operations and cyber defense, two other doctoral programs who are they're accessible from a distance, and then a doctoral program, which is our first doctoral program in information systems out of the College of Business and Information Systems. We offer, um, we offer seven um, certificates, which are you know probably three to four classes in a concentrated area, ethical hacking, um, business finance, areas like that. I did forget, sorry, Masters of Business Administration. We do offer an MBA here. So yeah, those are, that's, those are our programs and exploring kind of where we are with new opportunities, which may result in additional programs in a year or two. Okay. And um, those certificates, can students take them and build toward a degree? Yeah. Will good, those courses count? Good question. You're talking about stackable um, certificates, degrees. And yeah, any one of those certificates um, would be three to four courses towards one of our master's degree programs. And sometimes a student will say, well, I'm not sure that I want to make that commitment, but I'm interested in a couple classes building my skills. We say, hey, certificate program doesn't require um, an, an application and a review for admission. Once you show what you show evidence that you have a degree, an undergraduate degree in a proper area, you can you can register for a certificate program. You know, those courses are part of our master's degree programs. So, which would apply, um, which would require application and and um, admission permission at that point. So. What's your favorite thing about being the Dean of Graduate Studies? Oh, man, it is, um, well, you know, everything, and I think what, wouldn't you say, Gabe, most, most faculty are in it because they love to work with young people. and I'd like to think so, yes. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Love, to, love to see them meet their career dreams. But I think my role is unique on campus because I work with faculty in just about every college and I work with really outstanding faculty. Those are graduate faculty. They're innovative. They're really committed to their programs. Um, graduate programs offer the opportunities to deliver pretty cutting-edge instruction on pretty cutting-edge topics. And, and um, if you're well-qualified and you've been you know, a computer scientist and you have nine years of formal training, you want to explore the edges of the field and you want to um, you want to bring talented students along to do that with you, and so I work with those folks, deans, and talented faculty across every college, and that might be one of my favorite things. Um, that that is also unique to my field. Maybe a provost 
might also work across across programs, across colleges, across discipline, something like that. But mine is truly um, interdisciplinary. And how does research fall into the graduate program? Oh man, you're hitting right on <laughs> all the all the big the big the big must. So so the expression of an institution that wants to really be regarded as um, as building a knowledge base um, in its area of expertise or areas of expertise is research. Is what is what are we do? What is out there to be known, and and how do we understand it in a new way? How do we fashion it for a new for a new market, for a new audience, for a new need, and and so research for graduate student becomes critical. So we are doing in computer and information sciences what SDSU, our neighbor up north, is doing for agriculture. How do we, how do we make these seeds more productive? How do we how do we make um, how to make crops um, more resistant to um, to to bugs and and um, weeds? And you know we're doing we're doing similar things in computer science. How do we how do we make networks more secure from bugs and weeds? How do we support people's data privacy um, access to their own data? and um, exclude it from bad actors. And that's research. And we have a number of extraordinary researchers in our graduate faculty, and some that even aren't in our graduate faculty who are not attached to graduate programs. And that is, that is the real expression of a university, is that we're conducting that kind of research. And Dr. Griffiths has, has, been, has helped us find our role in that and how we can be um, a, a university with big aspirations and research in our, in our field of expertise and do it in a way that captures the attention and imagination of policymakers, people around the country. She's painted that picture for us. Can you talk more about um, I was kind of curious when you started to talk about some of the examples of the research that's being done by some of our faculty, maybe um, some of our uh, students. What, uh, what's going on out there? What are they reporting on? What are they finding? Yeah, so, so the research would be fairly closely aligned to the programs. So we'll do, we do a significant amount of research in information systems. Um, using data, how that data is used, how that data is secured, um, how that data can be looked at in large quantities over tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of records to see some trends um, and how those trends might inform policy, local policy, public policy, institutional policy, how they might used, be used for marketing. And that's what our graduates in information systems do, especially in the world of healthcare. We can we can understand um, things about um, public health, um, public perceptions on health, public perceptions on viruses by looking at a number of records through social media, through other sources, um, medical records, and understand how we best support patients and patient care and physician care. Um, and and as you know, in computer science across the street in the College of the Beacom College of Computer and Cyber Sciences, we're all about securing information, 
right to privacy, um, securing resources, um, which is not only about um, internet packet routing or encryption, but it's also about user behaviors. Um, how do we act as users of technology that suggest we are responsible uh, users of these wide area networks? And so it's an ethical thing. Um, it's, um, it's a psychological thing, um, as well as a technical computer thing. So I'm interested to hear if you have any thoughts on AI being integrated into everything these days. Well, you know, if you think if you if you think of in its in its basic form, um, intelligence, what we know, what we know about um, what kind of bugs we can find in our backyard. I'm on this bugs thing. What am I? <laughs> you know, it says a lot about you. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. seeing that. Um, how we understand our environment. Um, that would be intelligence. That would, would be what we know. How do we, um, how do networks and systems and technology tools understand that so well that they can predict some needs? So, so, so we're very invested in that. We're very invested in that, and um, we already offer an undergraduate degree in artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence is already a significant part of our computer science master's program, machine learning or artificial intelligences is, um, is a significant trend which we, will, we are responding to and will respond to. Um, and it doesn't suggest a threat to, um, to our society, but it does suggest uh, some cautions about how we use that. And so there's, that, there's, there's, there's always that complement to um, techn- technological innovation. It is... It is ethical conduct and use, and I think we try to walk, try to walk those paths um, responsibly, both ways. And Gabe, as you know, as a former, um, you know, research administrator, you, on our campus, um, you know, there are steps that our students take to make sure that they've met um, commitments. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Quality I, research. You you threw me a curveball there, but yes, I do recognize what you're talking about. Um, the AI thing, though, just to follow up, is, is really quite fascinating, not only in the processing of information, but the alternatives and, and the speed at which it can identify those trends and options and choices. But ultimately, um, it comes down to what we decide to do with the information or if we think we need more information before we can make a decision. How how do we match up, so to speak, against other programs across the country? I'm just curious. We pride ourselves in being a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see us stacking up? Well, you know, it was, um, it was 2004 when we were first um, recognized as a Center for Excellence for cybersecurity education, cybersecurity research, um, some remarkable faculty understood the future ahead of us, um, put together coursework and um, programs of research on our institution that really made us a leader. And now, you know, what are many colleges doing? They're looking for faculty to teach cyber in their computer science program or even to establish cyber computing programs, minors and majors. So, we, you know, we were out well, easily 15 years in advance of that major push, we were on almost the cutting edge of understanding securities, 
role in the future of our of our lives. And um, I think we, I think that was prescient because we did that 45 years ago, right? In um, um, in in changing our the texture of who we are at every level by becoming a computer and information sciences institution. We left our kind of our general education um, and liberal arts background and really made a commitment during the early Janklow era to computer information sciences. And I think you'll see, still see um, some of that today as you see programs that emerge in graduate and undergraduate education that suggest we, we, we see a future here and that, um, and that future means preparing young men and women to meet the challenges of that future. So I would say, I would say um, remarkable leadership and some talented faculty has, has always put us, um, you know, on the, on the bleeding edge of, of what, we, what we will claim is our space, computing and information sciences. Not to mention all of the remarkable things that are done outside those. Um, we, we claim math is a, probably a big part of our computing because of all the, the background that those majors have to have and even, um, even more complex things when we're talking about encryption and, and um, other security issues. But in the arts, in the humanities, some great research, in education, um, some great research that matches what we're doing in some of those other programs. So, so it, yeah, it's just not exclusive to... Um, to two colleges, it's, uh, you can find great examples of, of where research um, informs teaching and vice versa in, in many places on our campus. You mentioned the ethical side of things. Um, can you maybe give us an example of um, maybe a software that hasn't been so ethical or um, a way that that something might impact how it works. Yeah, Jen. Well, on our campus, we are bound by, um, by a code of conduct um, that's, that's built into every um, research ethics course or module that's required of graduate students, and it's to build that. So, so you learn these tools, you, you, you learn these skills, for understanding the network or how a um, computer functions. And you can use those skills in a productive way. Um, we call that white hatters, even red hatters. Look at, look at um, vulnerabilities um, to exploit them, to, not to exploit them, but to, but to fix them. Um, or you can be someone who understands those, finds those vulnerabilities to exploit them. And, and we'd like to think that we're in the we're in the first group, and we, um, we're doing that work, and we teach those skills um, in computer science and cybersecurity to better secure those networks. And so when we talk about ethical work, it's, um, it's not just given um, lip service. We talk about using our tools and skills um, to strengthen as much as a teacher would talk about using his or her to schools or tools or skills to um, in, in child development, so um, so so we take that pretty seriously. Okay, and you mentioned um, arts and humanities. Um, our school is unique in that we're very technical focused, but we still have that. 
faith-based education. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, what would a, the beauty of a college education is um, understanding our world and environment um, in unique ways, and that means understanding um, art and literature and humanities and sciences. Um, and I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want anything but that for our computer scientists, for our teachers, for our information science, information sciences majors. Um, so we, so we, we have a, a, f- a very nice structure of general education courses for all of our majors. Some will major in those areas. Um, some very good um, biological sciences majors leave our, leave our campus with some wonderful research opportunities. Um, so, so that's the richness of university education. Um, and then that is also, you know, part of the um, part of the um, the creativity in computer and cyber sciences. You can draw on some of what you know about a, a liberal arts education to solve problems in a very computational, scientific way. Well, we're down the road a little bit. What about the future? What are you excited about that's coming down the road? I think there are, um, we're going to have to think about how we protect um, and secure data that is um, that is shared on a fiber optic cord. You know, how do you secure pulses of light? How, how, do, you know, how do you do that? Because that's how information is sent, right? Um, we have, um, you know, we have... Um, a significant amount of information that is wireless, but a lot of it, um, and some of the most secure, is is in, in photons, pulses of light. And I think there's some opportunities there, not only to extend the uses of that type of communication conveyance, but how you secure it, how you protect it, um, and how you do these. I also think there's um, a, an, an evolution in user privacy that's that we're on the cusp of. How do we protect user rights? How do we protect their data, their information? How do we make users um, stronger consumers of, of technological tools? Um, what should they know about the use and about the tools accessible on their cell phones that give them layers of protection for their private communications, for their private data, for their addresses? So I think that is a, um, a near-term future area that that we're going to explore as graduate programs. Okay, one last question for you. Um, You mentioned earlier uh, being a reference for a student um, going to Texas A&M. What kind of uh, great things have our grad students gone on to do? Boy, yeah, what what haven't they done? And I probably will miss some, and um, to, to my chagrin, because they were remarkable. I had a student walk into my office just um, shortly after lunch, and he has, he, has, he has been gone, but he's back in town. He works for Goldman Sachs. He got his master's degree in analytics, um, but, but he works for Goldman Sachs as a remote faculty. Now, he doesn't live in Madison anymore. I think he lives um, Omaha down south, but he was in town visiting one of his friends, and um, you know he's working for uh, a, uh, an investment company that handles, you know, billions of dollars of acquisitions and resources. So, um, so they've done things. Um, 
We have so most of our doctoral students are currently holding positions, and they hold some remarkable positions as faculty, as CIOs, chief information officer officers, um, as um, in the federal government and in private industry, um, in higher ed, and they are in remarkable positions. They are already in top tier positions, and they. Um, I've had dissertations um, uh, for the federal government that I couldn't even go into because as, uh, I'm not, I don't do research, only a committee. And there was a non-disclosure because of the, um, the risk of sharing information for a private institution, company, state, or government that was presented um, by having someone other than the employee and his committee. Um, and I think those committee members also had to sign and non-disclosure agreements um, to not share any information. It's that um, those, that's the kind of work that we're doing. Um, we have faculty at, um, we have former doctoral students and master's students at, um, at dozens of institutions, including ours. Um, and um, one young man just interviewed at the University of North Dakota um, who, I, who I gave a reference for and um, seemed to look very positive. It's not uncommon. Oh, we had a, a recent student um, do a one-year um, professorship at the University of Indiana. And um, as soon as he get his dissertation work done, <laughs> he'd be even a hotter commodity. But um, that is, the, that is the, the nature of our, of our programs in computing and information sciences that cultivates the interest of institutions, um, organizations, and um, corporations, um, you know, that make our employment percentage extraordinarily high. Excellent. Anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to highlight about grad studies? Oh, just that, um, you know, a, um, a, a graduate program does not excel without extraordinary um, leadership. And I think Dr. Griffiths provides that. And I've worked with three or four provosts in the last several years, including our current provost, Dr. Hoy, very committed to this notion of disciplinary research and support that. And sometimes uh, you have to, a faculty may, may, may get some funds from the National Science Foundation, National Security Administration to do their research, and it's left to, um, to a dean or an administrator to find someone to step into classes. And uh, um, I've not met a dean who's not been super supportive. And so um, once faculty know that they're supported by their leadership and that their work is recognized, you find these faculty doing remarkable things. And so um, folks in, in South Dakota, especially maybe Madison, often don't know that the, that the family living across the street doing some remarkable research in um, highly secure but highly technical encryption that would, that would only, only a few institutions in the United States are capable of doing. And that's in our community. You know, that's in our, those, are, those are people where our kids are playing t-ball with. Um, <laughs> so, so I work with, um, and they're not just faculty, there are lots of other support people, remarkable talent. Um, and people who who love rural South Dakota, 
Madison, as I do, um, DSU, as Gabe and I do, and you, um, who find that we have um, this wonderful little balance of um, charm and accessibility. And uh, yes, I drove today in cold weather, but I could easily walk from my nine blocks. Um, and, and access to great schools, a super university, um, where we're all, we're all committed to its success. Any final questions, Gabe? No, I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today, Mark. Yeah. Happy to be here. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation and found it very interesting. Thank you, Gabe, for co-hosting. Thank you. Thanks to our podcast producer, Max Allman, and thank you for listening. 